Welcome to Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Lori Fagan. In this podcast series, I'll interview authors who will then read from their mystery, suspense, or thriller short stories or a chapter from their published books. In addition, sprinkled throughout the coming weeks, the podcast will feature radio theater-style sections from the audiobooks for my crime fiction novels. If you like those old radio theater-style mysteries, this is my version, called Art of the Steel, from my third crime fiction novel, Bleeder. Here are the first few episodes, complete with actors Leroy Timblin, Tess Jenkins, and Vidian, Andrea Ballou, and David Specht. There's a dead gallery owner, a missing painting, and plenty of suspects. Enjoy Art of the Steel. Is everyone here? An enormous red feather plume dips up and down from the spectacular hat of a white-haired woman holding a clipboard. She peers over a sea of red hatters, older women touting glittery, feathery, and otherwise heavily decorated, ruby-colored headwear of all shapes and sizes. They gather outside Art on the Square, a contemporary gallery and working studio spaces for artists, in the historic downtown section of Evergreen, California, a small mountain town bustling with tourists during the summer. Elizabeth said she would be late, offers a prim lady wearing a tiny scarlet pillbox hat with a veil. Thank you, Margie. The feather plume takes another dive as Pearl Hauser's head looks down again to her checklist. A stout woman with an ample bosom, she circles a name on the paper she is holding. Then I believe all are present and accounted for. Shall we begin our gallery experience? She opens the heavy glass door, which emits a brief electronic beep, and holds it as the others file in, nodding and smiling and murmuring pleasantries. When all the women are inside, Pearl enters, glancing around as if in search of something or someone. Ladies, I'm sure the proprietor, Paolo Romano, will explain more in detail— But this is considered a contemporary art gallery, or art of today, according to Wikipedia. She flips a sheet held on her arm and reads. It's produced by artists who are living in the 21st century. Contemporary art provides an opportunity to reflect on modern society and the issues to ourselves and the world around us. The group is surrounded by various artworks hung on the walls, sculptures on pedestals, and jewelry in glass cases. Individual white lights from a ceiling grid focus on the art, illuminating the mostly bright, bold colors. Soft classical music plays from discreet speakers. Pearl glances at her wristwatch and frowns. Let me find Mr. Romano. You may begin looking around. Her sensible, low-heeled shoes echo on the concrete floor as Pearl strides toward the back of the gallery, where the owner's office is. Paolo, we're here. Low whispers of appreciation, surprise, and even an occasional of disgust emit from the group as they begin to look at the art. What is that supposed to be? asks one woman, nudging the lady next to her and pointing to an abstract painting in wild shades of orange, pink, and yellow. Her furrowed brow and turned-down lips indicate it's not her style. 
Well, it certainly wouldn't go in my living. All the red hats turn toward the sound of Pearl's anguished utterance. Pearl runs into the gallery from a door marked personnel only, her hat askew, the long feather covering her face like a stripe of blood. Call the police! I think he's dead! Laptop computer set up on my desk along with a glass of white wine, I continue writing the Art of the Steel podcast script. Police officers, detectives, and emergency medical personnel bustle about the gallery. The pale, worried faces of the Red Hatters glance at each other and at Pearl, now seated on a chair, her eyes closed. Margie mops the organizer's perspiring face with a cloth hanky. What do you suppose happened? Trudy is a tall, thin woman with a red sequin-covered fedora on her salt-and-pepper-colored hair. I heard the officer say, forced entry, answers a red hatter standing next to her. That means someone probably broke in. I think from the back door. Oh, it was awful. So much blood. There, there, Pearl. Try to relax. Margie dabs at her friend's forehead. Can we get some water? Trudy looks on either side of her, opens her purse, and reaches in. She produces a small silver flask, handing it to Margie. Maybe this will help. Margie's eyebrows arch in surprise, but she takes the metal container and brings it to Pearl's lips. Here, hon. Take a little sip. It'll calm you down. Pearl makes a face at the amber liquid, but swallows a second drink. Ladies. A stocky man wearing a dark suit coat and light shirt ambles into the gallery from the direction of the owner's office and approaches the group. A metal bar with L. McCullen is pinned to his pocket. He flashes a gold police badge in a leather holder. I'm Evergreen PD Detective Liam McCullen, and I'll be handling the investigation. He stashes his ID and pulls out a pen and a small notepad. Now who can tell? Officer! How much longer must we be here? Elizabeth, the latecomer who arrived just after Pearl screamed, stands, hands on her broad hips. My hair appointment is in 15 minutes. McCullen looks up, a weary, disgusted expression on his ruddy face. It's detective, and as soon as I ask a few questions, you may leave. He looks around the group, and his eyes rest on Pearl. Is this the woman who found Mr. Romano? The red hats all nod in affirmation. Mrs. Hauser, detective. H-E-U-S-E-R. But it's pronounced Hauser. Uh, Thank you. He looks back at Pearl. Mrs. Hauser, do you need medical attention? He starts to wave one of the EMTs over, but Pearl puts up a hand, palm out, to stop him. No, no. I'll be fine. She slowly sits up and opens her eyes, focusing on the law officer. Mrs. Hauser, would you tell me exactly what you saw? Pearl rubs her lips together as she recalls the scene. I went into the office looking for Mr. Romano since he didn't greet us when we entered the gallery. When I opened the door, I saw him lying there on the floor. So much blood around his... Detective, she's in no condition to talk. Margie's stern eyes bore into the detectives. I understand you're upset, ma'am, but memories tend to fade with time. Did you see or hear anyone in the back? Pearl composes herself, thinking. No, not that I can recall. 
McCullen looks at her feet. May I see the bottoms of your shoes, please? Pearl's eyebrows furrow in confusion as she awkwardly lifts one, then the other sole toward the detective. They're clean. The bloody footprint in the office might be from our killer. He pauses to look around the group. Anything out of the ordinary anyone of you saw or heard? The women glance at each other, the natural age lines on their older faces deepening with apprehension. The front door was unlocked and all the lights were on. But it was just after 10 a.m., so of course we assumed the gallery was open for business. No one else says anything. Okay, let me get all your names and phone numbers, then you can leave. Elizabeth Olofsson, 340-555-7733. Now may I go? Elizabeth already has her red felted hat in her hand and poised to exit. Yes, ma'am, thank you. As Elizabeth hurries out, Pearl lifts her arm and points to a large, empty spot on the gallery wall. Her gray face is aghast. The Coleman! It's gone! Welcome back to Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. I'm your host, Lauren Price. In the third episode of Art of the Steel, an art gallery owner is dead and a painting is missing. Pearl, the red hatter who discovered art on the square owner Paolo Romano dead in a pool of blood, points to a large blank spot on the wall where only a gold-colored hook remains. The Coleman! It's gone! It's been stolen! Detective McCullen stares at the wall in question. What's a Coleman? Pearl puts her hand to her mouth, tears welling in her brown eyes. It's not a what. It's a who. Richard Elijah Coleman, that's who. Only one of the top contemporary artists of this century. I'm no art critic, but I never heard of him. McCullen scribbles on his pad. He's an emerging artist. Not yet appreciated as he should be. Her eyes grow wide. But perhaps now he will be. Why, this theft may be just what he needs to draw attention to his work. Her brain seems to be in high gear as she considers this. McCullen's eyes narrow. How can I reach your man, this Coleman guy? He's no mere guy. Pearl stands facing the detective, anger clouding her round face. He's an artiste. He's, well, he is. I'm right here. McCullen and all the red-hatted heads turn toward a low British-accented voice coming from the hallway towards the back of the gallery. Oh, Mr. Coleman. Her hands folded over her heart, Pearl gazes lovingly at the small, slender man. Coleman's short, blondish hair is spiked in all directions, creating a frame around his fair, angular, 50-something face. Dark, deep-set eyes dart around the room, stopping when they come to the bare space on the wall, where only the gallery tag and hook remain. What is the meaning of this? Where's my piece? Mysterious music fades in, and my voice reads from a script. Was the gallery owner's death a result of a burglary gone bad? Stay tuned for the next podcast of Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. 
I'm Lauren Price. Thanks for listening. 8.58 p.m. It's almost nine at night as I work on the computer on my apartment's kitchen table. I save and upload the latest episode in the Mystery Theater podcast, which is my creative outlet. Flashes of previous podcast recordings with my longtime mentor, Ron, make me smile. But a catch in my throat turns that pleasant thought to dismay about his decline, as lately the spark is going out of his eyes. Dean has stepped in to help. Don't get me wrong, Dean and I have a fantastic time creating the voices for the podcasts, but it's a constant reminder of my old friend's failing health. Another podcast in the can, I close the computer lid and head to bed. Back at my apartment, I touch a button on my laptop to cue the Murder Mystery Podcast theme music. I fade it in full, then bring the volume down and read into my microphone. Welcome back once again to Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. I'm Lauren Price. Tonight on Art of the Steel, the creator of a stolen painting arrives shortly after his gallery owner has been found deceased and possibly killed. I edit in Dean's voice in the role of the male British artist. Has there been a robbery? Contemporary artist Richard Elijah Coleman strides up to Evergreen Police Detective Liam McCullen, who was first on the scene after Art on the Square Gallery owner Paolo Romano was found dead in his office. I cue Dean's pre-recorded line as Detective McCullen. And what would you know about it? Not a thing. I arrived just to find one of my finest pieces of art gone, and I demand to know what happened. Ladies, the rest of you can... Oh, Mr. Coleman, it's horrible. Paolo is dead. He... Mrs. Hauser, please. He puts his hand on her arm to stop her from continuing. Like I said, you ladies are free to go. He turns to Coleman. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Can we step... The front door dings and a woman riding a black electric scooter motors through the double doors. She sports wild, curly, graying hair and intense eyes that dart around the gallery, taking in the scene with the Red Hatters, the detective, and the artist. An EMT steps out of the office and waves her his way, where she makes a beeline. The tails on her white jacket flap in the breeze behind her, and an embroidered name under one lapel reads, Charletta Finster, medical examiner. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. McCullen's head flips back and forth between the ladies, the artist, and the M.E., obviously having trouble assessing his priority. Finn, a word. She nods, pointing to the office. Her motorized vehicle slows as she approaches the door. McCullen stares sternly at Coleman. You stay. The detective turns to usher the older women out the front. All right then, ladies. If I need anything else, I'll be in touch. They shuffle out the door. McCullen strides to the office where Finster is surveying the dead body from her seat. What do we got, Mac? Not exactly sure. McCullen scratches his head. Probably a burglary, robbery gone bad, but there's something off. Something I can't quite put my finger on yet. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Thanks. The woman steers her scooter slowly around the body, which is stomach down on the floor, face staring off to one side. She leans over to get as close as possible. I'll be right outside talking to one of the artists. He gives the scene a worried glance and exits. 
The medical examiner stops, placing the back of her rubber-gloved hand gently on the man's cheek for a few seconds. Mr. Hart. Coming. What will the medical examiner find? Stay tuned when the next podcast episode of Murder in the Air Mystery Theater continues. I'm Lauren Price. Thanks for listening. The recording gear is spread out on my kitchen table. Dean and I sit with microphones in front of us, headsets on, and scripts in hand. I nod. Ready? He gives me a thumbs-up sign. I cue the mysterious theme music for the podcast, then begin reading. Good evening. I'm Lauren Price. Tonight on Murder in the Air Mystery Theater, the medical examiner's assistant has just arrived on the scene to help investigate the death of a contemporary art gallery owner. Sorry I'm late, ma'am. A harried voice echoes in the gallery before a lanky young man rushes through the gallery owner's office door and stops. He quickly swings a backpack off his shoulders and starts digging into it, looking for something. He pulls out a wadded-up white medical jacket and slides it on, attempting unsuccessfully to smooth out the wrinkles. Going back into the bag, he produces a yellow pad of paper, then digs some more. Medical examiner Charlotta Finster slides a pen out of her pocket and hands it to the young man without looking at him. Oh, thank you, ma'am. An EMT hands a small rectangle of plastic to Finster. Shall we begin, Mr. Hart? Oh, yes, ma'am. Roger Hart, the medical examiner's assistant, stands ready to write. We believe this is Paolo Romano, age 52, date of birth... 9-17-62. She reads from the man's driver's license. Please record his address. She hands the card to Hart. Mr. Romano's cool to the touch and exhibits rigid rigor mortis. She attempts to lift the deceased's arm and it's obviously stiff. I would approximate the time of death to be between 9 and midnight last night. Just before releasing the man's arm, the medical examiner sees something on the sleeve of his shirt. Mr. Hart, an evidence bag, please, after you put your gloves on. With a sheepish look, Roger pulls out a pair of blue latex gloves and snaps them in place. He searches in his backpack again and comes out with a plastic bag, which he hands to his boss. She takes it, then puts her palm up to him as if waiting for something else. Roger pauses a moment, then hunts again in the bag and draws out a sterile package of instruments. He opens the tools and hands her tweezers. Charlotta Finster carefully picks up a long, dark hair and deposits it into the plastic bag, sealing the top. Prepare to take a rectal temperature, please, Mr. Hart. Roger gulps an uncomfortable look on his face, but he dives into his satchel once again and retrieves a glass thermometer from a hard plastic case. My voice begins again as the narrator. Could the hair be from the killer? What other clues will the medical examiner and detective find? Be listening next time when Art of the Steel continues on Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. Thanks for listening. This is Lauren Price. I hold my hand up, palm out, to indicate wait as I stop the recording. Great job, as always. Ready for another? But of course. I smile, and we continue. You've been
been listening to Art of the Steel from my audiobook for Bleeder in my Behind the Mic Mysteries. The full story is about a young radio reporter, Lisa Powers, who covers the crime beat for her Chandler, Arizona radio station, helps police solve cold cases because she's interested and they're short-staffed, and who writes campy murder mystery radio theater-style podcasts in her spare time. The Murder in the Air podcasts are written under Lisa's pen name, Lauren Price. I gathered actors in my home studio, and along with my audio producer's son, Devin Hancock, created sound effects, added music, and just had a great time recording these episodes. Characters were performed by actors Leroy Timblin, Tess Jenkins, Ann Vidian, Andrea Ballou, and David Specht, and I read the narrator part of Lauren Price. Join us again next time when on episode number 19, Phoenix author Merle McCann will talk about her fiction novels, including about her short story called Who Shot the Sheriff, set in a fictional Arizona town along the Colorado River. Episode number 20 will be more segments from Art of the Steel from Bleeder. If you are listening on the podcast platform of your choice, please subscribe and leave a review or provide us with feedback. If you're on YouTube at Read Lori Fagan, please subscribe, give us a thumbs up, and click on the bell to be notified when a new episode has been released. And for freebies, check out our Patreon page at Murder in the Air Mystery Theater. For more information, you can visit ReadLaurieFagan.com. Thanks so much for listening, and come back again, where you will always find Murder in the Air. <laughs>